0: Welcome to the Progress Over Perfection coaching podcast where we talk about career management and development by offering insight on how to build an intentionally balanced and purpose-filled career. Today we're talking about how to build your career development team. What are the roles that you need to staff and how do you go about finding and cultivating those relationships and how do you know when to let them end? With that let's get started. Okay. So you've built out your career plan. Now you have it perfectly articulated to what it is that you want to do, but now you have to figure out how to go and build that team. That's going to help make it a reality. So talked a little bit about this back in episode six, talking about the Harada method. One of the key points uh, of that philosophy or that framework was that you need to have a team to help you uh, execute against your career development goals. So now I'm going to share with you uh, the four roles that I think about when I build my career development team. And they're they're not necessarily anything new or groundbreaking, but hopefully these are some ways that you can kind of think about those roles as well as how to find and cultivate those relationships and how you can put them to use. So I'll go really briefly over what those four roles are and then dive into each one with a little more detail and then talk about more generally how to go about building those relationships, finding those relationships and cultivating them. And then ultimately, if you end up needing to, and you probably will, and that's okay, ending some of those relationships. So the way I like to think about this more broadly, um, I love metaphors. And I like to think of building your career development team as actual, like a sports team. So you've got different individuals that fill different roles or positions. So over the course of your career, uh, you might draft members to your team during different seasons of your life. Um, But you definitely shouldn't think of them as kind of permanent fixtures. So these are going to be individuals that you have on your team for a certain role at a certain time. And as that time ends or as that objective gets met, you may move on to needing Uh, New individuals that have different skills to offer or different perspectives, Um, or even those individuals may shift from one position on your team uh, to another position. So with that, the the four roles that uh, I'll be talking about are peers, mentors, coaches, and sponsors. So really briefly, peers, these are likely going to be co-workers, people that you interact with on a day-to-day basis. Uh, they're going to help you learn the things that are necessary for your current role, maybe be a sounding board. Um, and ultimately, as you move on to new and different roles, uh, likely due to the proximity of uh, those individuals, you may grow f- more distant from them and adopt a new set of peers. Next are mentors, Uh, and this is probably the most common role that people think of when they think of a career development team or a career uh, team for yourself. And these are individuals that uh, have specific skills uh, or have uh, navigated a certain experience in a way that, that might be useful to you. So you usually seek out these individuals, seek out these mentors to help you understand how they did what they did, because you want to do that too. And then coaches. Um, so very distinct here in what I'm talking about um, as far as what a coach is in this context. So uh, typically when people talk about coaches or think about coaches, it's around how do they uh, you know, tell me how to maybe behaviorally think about something? How do they help show me what to do? Um, totally valid, absolutely something that's that it's necessary in certain contexts, that's more of a consultant or maybe even more of a mentor. So when I say coaches here, it's it's really somebody that's going to help you uh, and work with you to help you understand what it is that you want or how you might go about uh, navigating something. So we'll go into more detail in a, in a bit on that. And then finally, sponsors, and I really kind of probably refer to it a few times in here as, as kind of the unicorn kind of role. So a sponsor is really somebody that is typically higher up in, or in an organization or they carry some kind of status where they've got the ear or the influence over others that can maybe help unlock certain aspects of your career that you might not otherwise have uh, access to. Kind of think about them as uh, they're going to talk about you behind your back, but in a positive way. So. Um, where you might not be able to get your name or your credentials out there, they can help to to get that uh, in front of people that can help uh, again unlock certain things for your career. So, again, that's peers, mentors, coaches, and sponsors. So. Now I'll go deeper into each one of those. So for peers, like I mentioned, these are likely going to be uh, relationships that you form with coworkers. So these are going to be people that are going to be close in proximity to you and to your role. Maybe they're on the same team that you are or on a team that's adjacent to you um, or could even be... um, individuals that are uh, maybe on a project with you at some point in time. So you, you're connecting with these people and um, you're, you're likely leveraging those relationships to help you understand things about your current position or your current role or your current task um, that you might not otherwise uh, have been able to learn on your own or they can kind of help speed things up. So that's one thing that they can do for you um, appear, or as you build these relationships, maybe you're not working directly with them, but you again, you're, you're close to them, uh, in proximity. Um, and they can be kind of a, uh, con- confidant or a sounding board. So you can kind of bounce ideas off of them. So you're not necessarily learning something specific, but kind of a, Hey, I was thinking about this. What do you think I should do? Or do you think I should go about it this way or this way? Uh, and with that naturally comes the idea of kind of a venting buddy. So somebody you can kind of blow off some steam with, you'll know, get it off your chest, Maybe you're going to complain about the same kind of things, kind of clear the air. And again, it's it's inevitable that there are going to be things that you're unhappy about in your career or, or in your certain circumstances. And I'd, I'd say, uh, you know, misery loves company. It, it's fairly easy to find other people to also complain about or dwell on certain things. And I'd say to some degree, having somebody that you're comfortable with, that you can, uh, again, confide in. Um, and rely on to be honest with you is very important. So having a venting buddy like this is, is again, not a bad thing. I'd say in my own experience, if that's all that you're getting out of the relationship, if it's only negative and it's always negative all the time, odds are that's a relationship you don't need uh, as a part of, of your career development journey. So I've worked um, in one one place in particular where Uh, I built some pretty strong relationships with people at the time, but I realized we were only talking about how much we hated where we worked or the things that we were doing when we were working on them. And, you know, we got to be pretty close, but over time realized that I was incredibly unhappy. And the more that I talked to this person, it didn't move me any further along in my career. And again, you're building this team to help propel you through your career, to help you get after and accomplish the things that it is that you want to. So if you're only dwelling on the negative and you're not doing anything productive about it, you probably don't need that. And again, I don't want to tell you how to build your relationships, but I would, I'd say if you're noticing that you're only negative about Uh, things with with certain individuals, you might want to reconsider how big of a role you're letting them play in your, on your career development team. Um, So again, in that one example that I had, um, once I left that organization where, uh, you know, I had fairly close peers um, where we would complain about everything, I never talked to them again after that. So our commonality, our common ground was how much we hated our circumstance. So pretty good sign that I probably should have cut that relationship out or at least limited it and, and you know, kept it professional, obviously, um, but not spent so much time with that specific relationship. Now, I'd love to talk about this one. This is a, a kind of the exact opposite of that. And this is uh, an idea that is pretty new to me. It's the idea of a brag table. It's not a literal table. I guess it could be but it doesn't need to be and it's an idea that I first heard of uh from John Acuff so if you haven't heard of him uh fairly well known prolific uh podcaster writer in kind of the business self-help uh kind of development space incredibly funny like I said he's got a podcast highly encourage that you check it out he's got a new book that's out um he's not plugging it but uh John, if you're listening, happy to, uh, to partner on something there, but I'll link both of those in the show notes if you're interested. Um, it's got tons of great ideas, very goal oriented, um, enough gushing there. Um, the brag table though is, uh, again, this understanding that you have with likely another peer where you can kind of call each other to the brag table or have regular meetings where you come to the brag table and all you do when you get there is you talk about the awesome stuff that you've done. Typically, when you do that, you kind of feel guilty a little bit. At least I do. You kind of feel a little guilty, kind of like you're bragging or you're showing off, uh, kind of narcissistic or self-absorbed. You kind of always worry about what the other person's thinking. Like, oh, are they judging me for for being proud of this thing? The brag table is great because it gets rid of all those uh, all of those preconceived notions or all those um, you know potential pitfalls. It's this agreement that when you come to the brag table, all you're going to do is talk about how awesome. Something you just did was, and the other person's gonna do the same. And you just, you share that positive energy with each other. Um, so I'd say if you can find somebody that you can build that brag table relationship with, um, it can go a long way again for kind of magnifying or multiplying the positive things that you're doing throughout your career and kind of help build some confidence. So with peers, like I mentioned, it's likely gonna be based on proximity. So in a role or at a company or on a team, those are, that's the the group that you're most likely naturally going to draw c- those kinds of connections from. So as you move to new teams or functions or companies, that uh, sphere of influence or sphere of exposure is going to shift as well. So with that, as you shift over time, individuals may fall out of this relationship or actively fall out of this relationship, and new people may take their place. Now, with peers, uh, and again, uh I believe I mentioned that, uh, you don't necessarily formally go and like slap a label on these individuals, say, congratulations, you're a peer or a colleague in on my career development team. These are just kind of people that you kind of mentally tag to say, Hey, I know that I can go to this person to talk about this, or, Oh, I got to meet up with this other person for the brag table. Um, So again, kind of a transient nature, but again, these, this can also be the largest group that you have on your, on your development team, because again, there's not really a fixed number of of positions you're trying to fill. So next are mentors. Like I mentioned, mentors are probably what you most commonly think of when you think of building this kind of team. And the thought behind that is also that you're you're looking to learn something very specific. Um, And what I like to think of for mentors is they've walked the path that you're hoping to. So you want to build a relationship with them so they can tell you how they did it. That's not to say that you're going to do it exactly the same. That's the beauty of like a good mentor-mentee relationship is you, you can articulate what it is that you're trying to accomplish and hopefully draw the connection with them to help them understand why it is you reached out to them. They can tell you how they did it. And then as you have a dialogue, they can understand your circumstances or context and then offer advice, uh, applying their own experience for how you might go and achieve the same kind of thing. So, again, this could be skill based. It could be how to navigate a certain experience, but it is probably largely advice based. So in in some ways, this is kind of mentoring is almost like a consulting. They're trying to tell you um, based on their own expertise and all the things you've been able to tell them how you might go about doing something. Now, should be, again, goal-oriented and clear about what you want to learn from them. So um, very context-specific. And I say that because I've been a part of mentor relationships where that context wasn't there or the context was misaligned, and it made for a very awkward relationship. And again, it doesn't always need to be that way because um, there are informal mentor relationships where, again, I don't think that context needs to necessarily be there. But if you're a part of a formal mentor relationship, If that context isn't there, that's where it starts to get really awkward. So uh, for a formal mentor relationship, what I'm talking about is like an actual, you sign up for either to be a mentor or to get a mentor. Uh, You likely fill out some kind of profile, like a brief questionnaire to tell you or to tell the organizer either what expertise you have or what you're willing to offer. And if you're a mentee, you fill out a form that says what it is you're looking to try and learn. Through some magic algorithm, dating profile kind of app magic, you get matched up with um, either a mentor or a mentee based on your position. So, And it should hopefully be because uh, there's a match between what it is somebody's trying to learn and the experience that can be offered. From the programs that I've been a part of, it is very rare. I'm trying to think back. It's maybe 20% of the times that I've been matched with somebody um, either as a mentor or f- as a mentee has there been like some real chemistry or real synergy um, it 's nobody's fault i 'd say um, as a mentee you 're probably looking for very something very specific and if there are no mentor signed up that has that specific skill or experience then you 're going to get matched up with kind of the next best which might not actually be what you 're looking for so Again, I've been a mentor um, a number of times through these kinds of programs. And again, I'd say 80% of them end um, pretty uh, lack, in, in kind of a lackluster function, uh, fashion. So we kind of have one meeting, maybe two meetings. We kind of awkwardly fumble through and realize that um, likely I'm not able to give the mentee what it is that they're looking for. Or The mentee maybe is unclear about what they're asking. And so it just kind of fizzles out. Can nobody's fault. It, it just kind of happens. Um, and so I'd say that's where I would maybe be less focused on official mentor programs. And often as I talk to people too, that's where they, f- they kind of get hung up. They're like, Oh, I, I need a mentor. I don't know how to get a mentor. So I'd say the less emphasis, uh, you put on a formal mentor title or mentor label, the easier it is to get one of these relationships because really again, at its core, all it is is you trying to work with somebody and build a relationship with somebody that has done something that you want to do or can offer insight on how to do something that you want to do. So if you can find these people naturally or organically, then you don't need to call them your mentor you and kind of sneakily just label them in your mind. Um, but then just see how often they're willing to meet with you and kind of pick their brain, you know, buy them coffee, buy them lunch, go for a walk with them. And kind of again, pick their brain and and learn from them. And we'll get in this get to this in a, a little later in the episode for how to kind of build these relationships or discover these relationships. But um, again, my experience, I've I probably got a dozen mentors. I don't think any of them know that I consider them a mentor, but these are people that I tap on uh, or try and set up some time with when I've got a specific question for something that I'm trying to do. So it's a lot easier that way um, than it is to try and, um, give a formal label. Uh, it's a lot less awkward. So with that too, um, because mentor relationships should be goal oriented, um, should be very clear about what it is that you're trying to learn from them. So once you accomplish that, or once you learn that, or you achieve that skill or get to that position, then it makes a lot of sense to transition that relationship. That doesn't mean you need to stop talking to them, but Maybe, uh, you're mentoring or being mentored by somebody that's on a team that you want to join. Maybe you join that team now, all of a sudden they're a peer and you've got a different kind of relationship with them. So that's, that's just one example, but that's that, that idea that individuals can flow somewhat freely between different roles that you're trying to fill for your career development team. So don't, uh, necessarily box them in and say, all right, you've been my mentor. That's all you can be. And once, once this part's done, then maybe I'll talk to you later. So that brings us to coaches. And this is kind of an interesting role again, because this is not necessarily about coaching in like a coaching a skill kind of sense or coaching a behavior kind of sense. Um, this is, which which again is, is more of how do you do something telling you how to do something, suggesting how you do something, which is more in the consulting mentoring kind of space, but Coaching is more of a, uh, a formal relationship, so you're typically hiring somebody that's going to help you break through a barrier or realize how to approach something for you in an authentic way that helps you own the decision, own the action to get you to where it is that you want to be. They can kind of be a catalyst. So again, you can think about things and, and kind of develop your, uh, your own plan of attack to accomplish something. But a coach can really help to catalyze that because they can kind of be a sounding board. They can help you brainstorm. But again, the way I like to think about coaches is while a manager or a mentor or a consultant might show you how to do something, might lead from the front to tell you the path to walk and show you where the pitfalls are. A coach is somebody that's going to lead from beside. They're going to walk with you. Um, You're going to understand what that path looks like. The path might not be necessarily clear, but the, the goal through all this too is the coach isn't going to show you that path. You are ultimately forging that path and the coach is there to help make sure that it's the path that you really want to be on. So again, should be something very specific that you want coaching on. There should always be kind of a, if not a a finite agenda, but a broader agenda for what it is that you are looking for in coaching. And this is somebody that you're hiring. So it's, um, likely going to be for a very specific period of time. And this is actually a role that, uh, on your team that probably isn't going to transition from one to another. So you, you're probably not going to hire a coach. It's going to end up as a peer or end up as a mentor. Probably not. Um, But again, uh, you're hiring this coach, so it is going to be for a fixed period of time. Typically, a coaching relationship, you buy into a certain number of sessions or a package or a length of time, and then um, you kind of have that coach. Or there there are other programs, again, at larger companies like BetterUp, where you pay into it and you've you've got like a however long your company's paying for and you can kind of meet with them typically as many times as you'd like. Um, And again can't stress enough that a coaching relationship should be action-oriented. It it can be therapeutic. Coaching is is absolutely something that can be therapeutic, but um, very important it is not therapy. Therapy is not necessarily action-focused and generally used to treat some kind of trauma. Um, And it's not to devalue therapy. It's absolutely something important. Um, But if uh, therapy is something that's needed, don't go looking for a coach to help sort through that. Go to a mental health professional. And I'll, I will say, too, uh, it, it's entirely possible that you could put a therapist on here as, as a role that you want to fill. Um, I can say for myself, there's I go to coaches for specific things that I'm trying to accomplish. I go to mentors for specific things. And I go to a therapist for specific things. They all play a role and they can all um, work together to help you get to, to where it is that you want to be. And so finally, the sponsor and like I mentioned, uh, this is kind of the unicorn and I wish that I had a really foolproof prescriptive way to go and get a sponsor. Um, honestly, I don't. Um, and I don't know that I've talked to anybody that, that does either because a sponsor is really somebody that's likely very senior in your organization or has a lot of influence and they can kind of get your name out to an audience that you might not otherwise have access to. Like I mentioned before, they can talk about you behind your back, but in a really positive way to people that you didn't even maybe know existed, uh, that again can help uh, get you into a position or unlock certain doors for your career that you might not otherwise have access to. So The best way that I've found, um, and I don't even know that I necessarily have a sponsor or have had one in the past, but the best way I've found to try and position for that is to try and, uh, again, demonstrate your capability through performance um, and to try and make uh, kind of genuine connections as best you can, um, potentially organically. And, And I'll get to that in a minute, but again, a sponsor, again, is somebody that as you as you build that relationship with them, it's likely not um not somebody that you're gonna be able to meet with terribly frequently. You're probably gonna have a very specific amount of time that you're allowed to talk with them. Um again, because they're they tend to be more senior in the organization, so have very busy schedules. So maybe you get to meet with them you know for a half an hour, go for go for a coffee with them for 30 minutes. Um, and then you might not really talk to them again for quite some time um so the hope there too is as you meet with them you're able to make a, a positive impression so they're they're able to understand and, and typically too my experience is in order to get one of those meetings with somebody that's a potential sponsor it's typically through your layers of management. So your manager may recognize your potential and then pass your name up to his manager and over time you might build that relationship and then your name might get passed up to the next level and maybe the next level, and, and that's eventually that, that kind of level of the atmosphere within an organization where a sponsor a relationship probably manifests. So again, really harder to uh, much harder to to kind of pin down and try and bottle, um, but can be incredibly powerful in terms of, uh, again, the doors that it's able to unlock because this is somebody that's able to say, "Hey, I understand what this person wants. I believe in them. Um, we should give them a shot at at this. So I will say though, related to the sponsor more than probably any other relationship up to this point it's got to be you you've it's super important that you have a very clear idea of what it is that you want your career to do or what you want to do as a part of your career. You've got to be able to tell that story very plainly and very clearly. Uh, again, because as you get uh, to individuals with more influence that are more senior, they're going to have less time to kind of interpret and and try and find the right fit for you. So if you can be as crystal clear of your fit as, as possible, then it increases the likelihood that they're able to find uh, a way to put that to use, um, ideally for the organization. So there's a benefit there, but also for you because you're able to to kind of do the things that that you're claiming you want to do. So, and then as far as how sponsor relationships end, um, I'd say again, super hard to pin down. Um, it's likely going to be, uh, uh, probably a less intimate relationship in terms of like number of times you're going to connect with this person kind of degree of sharing. You're going to be able to do with them because you're just going to meet so infrequently, likely. So if you're lucky, then over time, you're still able to kind of have touch bases with with these kinds of, of sponsors so now we've gone through in-depth the four different relationship types so again that's peers mentors coaches and sponsors so i'll talk a little bit about how to go and build these kinds of relationships so um like i mentioned for peers that's going to be based on likely proximity um and and this is gonna be potentially a little bit of a a hot button issue. Um this with where we are and kind of the, the idea of a hybrid working environment and remote work and return to office. Um right now, uh so November twenty twenty three, it's it's kind of uh seems it feels like a tipping point for uh, a lot of larger organizations are pushing for more return to office physical presence. And there's this tension around being remote and hybrid. Um, but I will say, uh, and again, here's where it's potentially hot button, hot button issue or even potentially hot take. I'd say it's going to be a lot easier for you to build these kinds of relationships. If you're in person, you know, physically near, um, in, in the proximity of other individuals, um, so it's not to say you can't build these relationships remotely obviously people have done that for for years and i've i've built relationships with people over linkedin before so having never met them but i would say if you're looking to build strong uh a strong team at the organization that you're at assuming it's a a larger organization where where there is a physical office to go into uh, being physically present is going to unlock all sorts of opportunities that you might not have otherwise have known you're going to run into somebody unexpectedly and maybe get put on a project or be able to talk about an issue that you thought or maybe somebody overhears something that you're saying and they, they want to offer to help or here's probably where you're going to have the best chance of getting one of those sponsor relationships as you see kind of maybe a, a vice president down the hall or you see them getting coffee or you might not otherwise have exposure to them. So just just being near people, is going to increase your chances of being able to to fill these positions on your team. So as an as an example, over the last 2 weeks there have been a half dozen instances, a half dozen individuals that I've just run into by accident and I consider them all part of my team. I didn't have a meeting set up, I hadn't planned on chatting with them, but I was able to just run into them and it feels like I was able to strengthen the relationship and actually hopefully push a little bit of um, not my agenda necessarily, but you know, make positive progress towards my career development by having these connections with these individuals. So again, a degree of happenstance and proximity and being physically present. So I went on longer than I did, or longer than I meant to on that. And again, not saying that there's a, a right or a wrong in terms of return to office. Everybody's I think a hybrid working environment is is incredibly productive uh, can be incredibly productive and and a, a good step forward but there are, there's definitely a need uh i'd say or a benefit to being physically present when it comes to building relationships so again enough of, enough of that um but um as you build these relationships as well um there's kind of this almost like uh if you can kind of think of like a pyramid scheme like you Meet somebody, and they introduce you to two people, and then each of those two people introduce you to two other people. You can kind of exponentially grow your network in that way. So I'd say introductions from others is another great way to help build that kind of network. Um, and so, um, as you talk to these individuals, and I've I've worked at a couple of organizations where I've met people and. They've had like a personal policy to say, oh, whenever I meet with somebody, it's my goal to make sure they they walk away with two other people to meet, in the hopes of broadening a network as well as increasing um, the effectiveness of the the advice that that they're trying to give. And so, uh, introductions from others are going to be incredibly important and help you to gain exposure to people that you might not otherwise have known. And again, with this idea of networking, uh, highly recommend uh, if you're interested in learning about the benefits of of authentic connection through networking and and kind of how to meet others and how to um kind of cultivate these kinds of relationships that can stand the test of time i recommend listening back to the interview with will sandman i'll post a link to that in the show notes if you want to revisit that but uh, again it's this idea that um you're trying to build these mutually beneficial relationships that, that grow over time. So if you go into it with that kind of mindset, even though you're building this team here, hopefully you're able to, to also return something in that regard. And now one thing to also remember is chemistry. So sometimes things just really don't work out. Sometimes it's a personality thing. Sometimes you guys just have a different sense of humor or, or sometimes it might be, um, again, just not the right fit for, for what it is that you're both looking for. And I think it's being able to recognize that. So I'd say at least half of the networking kind of meetings I've, I've had with individuals with the hopes of building somebody or adding somebody to my, my team, at least half of those have ended incredibly awkwardly. And, um, I may not have ever talked to that person again, no harm, no foul. I don't hold it against them. Hopefully they don't hold it against me. Um, But you kind of, you kind of feel it and you both kind of feel it if it's not really working out. So uh, again, it's that maybe you have a 30 minute meeting and you both, you both show up and you make some small talk and then you're 10 minutes in and realize, oh shoot, I've still got 20 minutes and neither of us are really terribly interested in, in what the other has to say. We're just not hitting it off. And that happens. And that's, that's totally fine. I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't dwell on it because, uh, much better to put the energy into the other relationships that are going to be much more productive. So now when it comes to fostering these relationships, the ones that actually you have chemistry with, I think the, the one thing, uh, in my mind, that's important to remember is you are asking others to take their time to help you achieve your goals. So the very least you could do is own, the logistics of the, those meetings, own the relationship, own the reminders, be, be kind of the one that sets things up. I wouldn't put any of that back on the the person you're trying to meet with. So again, if, if you're wanting to have a mentor or you, you've got a mentor, uh, where you work and you want to meet with them, you know, every month, I can't stress enough, be the one to set up that, that recurring meeting. Um, typically when I want to meet with somebody, um, I'll send them a note in advance. I won't just drop a like a calendar invite on their on their calendar. And it's typically uh, through through an introduction from somebody else that that I'm introducing myself to this person. Say, hey, I met with so and so. They recommend I meet with you. I'd Like to talk about this. I want to give them some context. Here's why I'm reaching out. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And I ask for permission to say, is it okay if I set up 30 minutes on your calendar? Um, I can go ahead and send the invite through and, and let me know. And I wait for a response again. I don't just drop a, an invite on their calendar. Um, and then after the meeting, kind of get a feel for how things have gone. Hey, this was great. I'd love to keep this conversation going. Is it okay if I set up a recurring meeting every month for us to meet or every other month? Um, And again, hopefully, you've established the context of the relationship. Hopefully, you already have in your mind where they're going to fit on your team. And then you kind of go from there. Um, And so, again, with that, too, knowing that there's a life cycle to all of this. Like I mentioned, peers are going to naturally fade in and out, likely as. You you move on to different teams and in your sphere of exposure changes, mentors, you're likely talking to them about a specific task or a specific action. So over time, that's going to also change. So knowing when that, that phase or that season is over, being able to kind of, you don't need to formally say like, all right, well, I got what I wanted out of this. Now we're done. Uh, it it can kind of just taper off Um, or you realize like, Hey, this has been great. We've been meeting every month is it okay if we actually change the cadence to maybe now like once a quarter or, you know, is it okay if I reach out, if I want to talk again, you kind of leave it open ended. Um, but i would be forward about that too. So there isn't just this abrupt, Oh, now I guess we're not meeting anymore. I don't think there's necessarily a wrong way. Again, if there's chemistry and you're open. And you're talking with these individuals um, on your team they are all probably going to be on the same page and all right with that. So, that's about all there is um, on this topic. So again, peers, mentors, coaches, and sponsors. And uh, what it is, how what they can do for you on your career journey. We talked about how to build those relationships, how to initiate, how to maintain, and how to foster. And almost as important, all that, how to kind of end. So the one thing that I'd invite anybody obviously love any feedback but the one thing in particular if you've got any advice on how to find and build and cultivate a sponsor relationship please reach out to me I'd love to share that with others have you on for an episode we'll talk about how you've done it and how you might encourage others to do it as well because I think that is the one thing that um, I've yet to find really good advice that I feel that I can emulate and kind of own the action to put into effect for the benefit of my career, if anything, assuming I have, I've got sponsor relationships that um, they feel like they're they're not something that I can inflict agency upon to try and make them happen and kind of if they happen it's kind of almost a happy accident so again if you've got advice on that or any other aspect of building your career development team do send me a note at patrick at prgscoach.com or if you have any other questions concerns comments criticisms critiques send those as well i'd love to hear them and with that i'll sign off with a certain type of perfection can only be realized through a limitless accumulation of the imperfect thanks again for listening in and we'll talk more in our next episode